Come gather round the campfire and hear our ghostly tales of chilling terrors, darkest woes, and anything that goes bump in the night. So cuddle up with your best friend or dare it alone. The darkness is closing in and spirits are calling your name. This is Fireside Phantoms. What do you got for me? I've got for you our little planned... Is it a geometric shape? It is a geometric shape. What is your favorite geometric shape? It's a triangle. Yeah, mine too. <laughs> Yay. So glad we planned this. I know, me too. So tonight, um, Carol and I are going to be working on triangles. Yep. Um, I will be doing the Bermuda Triangle. And I'll be doing the Alaskan Triangle. Ooh. As if you even heard of that. Yeah. <laughs> As if anyone knows what you're talking about. But right they now. will. They soon will. <laughs> Yay. The Bermuda Triangle sits betwixt Miami, Florida, the island of Bermuda, and Puerto Rico, covering 500,000 square miles of oceanic fun. The three points form a perfect triangle, a perfect triangle of hell, that is. Is it a cute triangle or just a perfect it's a equilateral? It's right isosceles. Oh. I don't know what that means. Okay. It's an equilateral. <laughs> right it's an equal opportunity triangle. Over the course of centuries, at least 2,000 ships and 200 aircraft have disappeared into the Devil's Sea or Devil's Triangle, which is another term used to describe the Bermuda Triangle. The Bermuda Triangle has the greatest amount of disappearances where there is no trace found of any plane, ship, or vessel than any other oceanic spot. Is that right? Wow. Yeah. Uh, this includes not receiving any Mayday calls or electronic Mayday signals from vehicles in distress. They just poof, vanish. Boom. Gone. Bing. <laughs> Bing. About five planes and 60 ships disappear into the triangle each year. The island of Bermuda itself is 650 miles from the coast of the U.S. and is roughly the size of Washington, D.C. It sits atop a coral reef above an extinct volcano. The waters around Bermuda are very, very deep. Before being colonized, Bermuda was avoided by early settlers and referred to as the Isle of the Devils because Ooh. of the horrible screams heard coming from the island. Oh, my gosh. That's awesome. I know. I mean, that's awful. <laughs> It's awesome and awful. Eventually, it was discovered that these screams were from the Bermuda petrel bird or cahal bird, if you will. And in fact, nobody was actually being murdered by the devil on this island. The mysteries of the Bermuda Triangle go back even as far as Christopher Columbus, who had some strange experiences when he sailed through it on his way to quote unquote discovering America. If you believe that that's he's the person that discovered America. Some yeah. people do, some people don't. I'm just making sure I cover all my bases. Oh, it was the Vikings, for sure. Whoever first. believes what, you know, <laughs> he got the credit, so. Yeah. He recorded in his journals that as he was passing through the area, his compass readings were erratic. He witnessed a ball of fire flying through the sky and then land in the sea. Historians believe that was a meteor, even though you and I know it was most likely an alien spaceship. Yeah, totally. He also reported seeing strange lights appearing in the distance. Again, aliens. So the Bermuda Triangle has had a long and storied reputation. 
It is even said that the play The Tempest, written by Bill Shakespeare, was based on a shipwreck that occurred in the Bermuda Triangle. William! The earliest known strange incident was in 1872 when a British-American merchant ship named the Mary Celeste was found in the Atlantic. Its lifeboat and seven crew members were gone. The ship, however, was in perfect condition, as were the weather conditions. So the ship was fully stocked with food and supplies. No one could understand why the crew would abandon the ship. Yeah, that's super creepy. It is weird. Then in 1881, an American ship called the Ellen Austin was making one of its normal runs through the Bermuda Triangle when it encountered a second ship. This ship was empty of its crew as well. So the captain had a few of his crew board the empty ship and steer it along with the Ellen Austin in order to save the ship. The two ships sailed together for a few days until a storm managed to separate them. The second ship and the replacement crew disappeared and were never seen again. Oh, well, that was probably a shipwreck, that one, just because there was a storm. Yeah, uh, That's my theory, but that's, still, that's too sad. Bad. It's kind of a weird... A weird ship to just yeah. find out there in the middle of nowhere. So, in March of 1918, a 542-foot long cargo ship called the USS Cyclops was sailing through the Triangle, minding its own business as it does. It housed 300 men and was carrying 10,000 tons of manganese ore. Ooh. It disappeared after leaving Barbados on its way to Baltimore. The ship sent a message that said, weather fair, all well. No one ever heard from or saw the ship again after that. There was no distress call nor any sign of wreckage from the ship. At first, it was believed that the Germans had attacked and sunk the boat because at the time, the U.S. was at war with Germany. Mm. But Germany denied having any knowledge of it. The Navy is at a loss for what happened to it. The loss of the USS Cyclops is the largest loss to the U.S. Navy not involving combat in U.S. naval history. To make matters even stranger, the USS Cyclops had three sister ships. The USS Jupiter, which was ultimately destroyed in World War II, but they also had two other sister ships, the USS Proteus and the USS Nereus. They also disappeared without a trace, carrying metallic ore and sailing through, you guessed it, the Bermuda Triangle. They were never seen again, just like their big sister, USS Cyclops. So they have never seen any wreckage from any of these ships? Nope. They're just gone. Super so I'm, I'm doing all of the disappearances that I found to be the most compelling in order of which they disappeared. Yeah. But the last part of the story is where things really get really good. One of the more famous Bermuda Triangle stories was that of Flight 19. On December 5th, 1945, a group of Navy bomber pilots and their instructor flew out of Fort Lauderdale, Florida for a lesson in navigation. However, it was reported that their compasses stopped working and the fleet of five planes disappeared. It is believed that they were lost and eventually ran out of fuel and had to ditch into the ocean. However, there was never any trace of these planes found, nor any sighting from other nearby planes or ships witnessing the planes descending into the sea. This case is famously known as Flight 19. 242 other planes were launched to search for the five missing planes wow. over a quarter million miles of ocean. They found nothing. However, weirder still, one of these search planes exploded mid-flight. 
It was assumed that the plane had built up too much gasoline vapors in its bilge, and that caused the plane to explode and fall into the Devil's Sea. What's a bilge? As uh, part of the plane, I don't know. Fuselage or whatever. <laughs> Just, I didn't do that part of the research. Uh, 13 more men died in this incident. However, the plane wreckage was also never found. They believe that um, Flight 19 is when the legend of the Bermuda Triangle is said to have begun. Okay. That's when it really got going was in 1945. When those planes disappeared and they couldn't figure out where they were. So a man named Graham Hawks claims to have found the wreckage of all five planes of Flight 19 when he was treasure hunting under the Atlantic Ocean in the Triangle. However, the tail numbers of these planes, located just 12 miles off the coast of Florida, did not match the numbers of the planes that disappeared during Flight 19. He was ultimately able to identify one of the planes as a missing plane from October of 1943, which disappeared two years earlier than Flight 19 had. But he did not have any way to determine where the other planes were from. They all just showed up at the same spot in the ocean. Weird. Which is really fucking weird, right? There must be like a big magnet that just Something, sucks all the metal to something's, that area. Something's going on. Um, it just seemed to be a weird coincidence that all these planes ended up crashing at the same spot off the Florida coast in the dreaded Bermuda Triangle. In 1948, a passenger plane flying from Puerto Rico to Miami also disappeared in and around the same area as Flight 19. 29 people and three crew members disappeared along with the plane. The weather was clear that day, and despite some possible wind gusts, there was no real reason for the plane not to have made it to its destination. (laughs) Yikes. The following month, another passenger plane disappeared. This one had 25 passengers and six crew members aboard. Oh my gosh, that's it. I'm never going to the Bahamas. No way, don't do it. I'm never going to go. Don't do it. It's not worth it. (laughs) Again, neither plane has ever been found, though there are plenty of planes that have been found in the waters of the Bermuda Triangle. There just isn't enough information to determine which plane goes with which disappearance. Because there's just so many. There's There's a lot of them down there. And I think there's also a lot of ships down there. So in the 1940s, twin guys, twin boys, 19-year-old petty officers George and David Rothschild were flying home from their station because their father had passed away. It's really the Rothschilds? It's R-O-T-H-S-C-H-I-L-D. Oh, wow. Yeah. I don't know if it's related to the Rothschilds, but it's... There's only one Rothschild. There's only one. There's only one most interesting man in the world. There's only four brains, but one family. (laughs) (laughs) There's only four brains, but one master brain. That's a Rothschild. (laughs) On their flight home, the pilot of their plane yelled back that his instruments were dead. He had no ability to navigate or know how much fuel he had left. Fortunately, the co-pilot took over flying as the pilot was so freaked out he could not continue. They eventually found the coastline and landed the plane. The twins were relieved to have survived the experience, even though they had no idea what the Bermuda Triangle even was at that time. When they eventually did learn of the notorious triangle, they said, yep, it almost got us too, but we survived. So why do the pilot's instruments always fail in the Bermuda Triangle? They even said fishermen sailing through the triangle have also had experiences where their instruments failed them as well. So there's something going on in this triangle that really fucks with the instrumentation of planes and ships. Yeah, and you said there was like a volcano in there as so well. Bermuda is at the tip of a extinct a vol- volcano. Kino. Yeah, that's where it sits. That's why it's so deep around the island, because you're thinking of a mountain underneath the sea, and the very tip is where Bermuda is, so everything below it is super deep. 
How about rather than a volcano, it's a hidden alien base. Exactly. Under exactly. there. That's exactly what it is. You're right. Thanks. In 1955, the yacht Connemara IV was found drifting alone in the Bermuda Triangle. The crew was gone, but it was believed that the yacht had endured three hurricanes and survived. Whoa. So perhaps the crew and passengers just got swept overboard. Who knows? In 1963, two U.S. Air Force planes were said to have collided in midair. Air Force! <laughs> they were said to have collided in midair over the Bermuda Triangle. However, the crash debris from the two planes was found 161 miles apart. No one can understand how the site debris of these two planes was found so far from each other. That, no. I mean, I guess it could have drifted, but 161 miles, like, they would have known about it pretty quickly after the crash. So yeah. they would have gotten out there and like that doesn't make any sense. And they're well, unless it was like a huge storm going on with, you know, right. They're in a hurricane or something. Yeah. But then, I, yeah, it doesn't. It's weird, isn't it? Very. So, Carol, this is where the shit gets good. This All is right. the best part of the story because everybody is, wake up. Yeah. Here's where Pay you want to start paying attention. OK. All right. There's a video on YouTube entitled Survivor Says Something New About the Bermuda Triangle Mystery. And it features the strange and scary experience of Bruce Gurnon. His father and his business partner took Bruce's Beechcraft Bonanza single-engine airplane on a trip from the Bahamas to Miami, Florida on December 4th, 1970, which put them smack dab in the middle of the Big Bad Bermuda Triangle. When they hit about 10,000 feet in altitude, they came across a big dark cloud. As they got closer to it, the cloud got bigger and bigger, appearing to grow in size before them. Bruce had no choice but to fly through the cloud. He flew through it quickly and came out the other side. They continued their ascent to their flying altitude of 11,500 feet. They came across another strange, dark, and foreboding cloud. As they entered that scary cloud, they were engulfed, and everything got very, very dark. In fact, they couldn't see sunlight at all. That's when things got really weird. Everywhere they looked, Bruce could see photos of his kid's birthday party and some of his work emails and text messages floating in the clouds. What? That's when he realized he'd actually flown into an iCloud. <laughs> oh god holy you had me going i was just like i love it oh I knew that you were love but anyway but it's still a true story but just on that part i was totally like when you were like he saw pictures of his kids I'm like what the, what the hell drugs was this guy on he was hallucinating in the fog. i had to put an icloud joke in there somewhere and there that it was, was good that Hey, so, <laughs> you know what? I'm proud of you. That was awesome. So, no, of course, that part is not true in the story because they did not have iClouds back in the 1970s, but they probably could fly through an iCloud today. Don't you think so? They probably could. <laughs> yeah. It's so, everywhere. <laughs> so, anyway, back to our story. Bruce is in his plane with his father and his partner, and they are flying through this dark cloud. And as he moves deeper into this cloud, it's pitch black, and he's freaked out. That's when he realizes that the cloud that they are flying through was the same exact cloud they had flown through earlier when they were yeah, at 10,000 Yeah, I was going to say that. Yeah. I was going to say, could it be the same, same cloud? cloud? It's the same cloud. That's what I was thinking yeah. all along. Yeah, it's the same cloud. He's like, what the fuck? This is the same cloud I just went through. Because, you know, you know your clouds. You know your cloud. <laughs> you do. And this cloud was swirling around them in a counterclockwise direction. He then started to see white flashes, not lightning, but just white flashes of light that lit up the dark and scary clouds. 
Finally, Bruce could see a sliver of light at the quote-unquote end of the tunnel, so to speak, and he aimed for it. Oh, he's dead. And he's going to the tunnel of light. <laughs> no, not, not I would quite. not be aiming for that. I mean, <laughs> no, he has to live to tell the tale. No, yeah, so not, yeah, yeah. No. So he knew that he needed to get out of this cloud as fast as he could. So he pushed his little plane towards the opening at the other end. As he got closer to the light, the cloud walls started to close in and the opening started to narrow. So the cloud was starting to consume his plane, essentially. His navigation instruments started to go bonkers. His airplane's compass was spinning counterclockwise, and the electronic dials were failing. He felt like his plane was caught in a current, and it was no longer under his control. Ugh. Isn't that crazy? That's he, so crazy. He finally burst through the cloud and out into the daylight. He didn't think he was going to make it, but he did. As they exit the cloud, they are immediately surrounded by a weird mist or fog. So Bruce still had visibility problems. So he contacts ground control immediately to determine his location. At first, ground control says he isn't even on their radar. But eventually, they determine he is entering Miami airspace, mm. which is a major problem. He says the flight from the Bahamas to Miami was a 90-minute flight. They had been in the air for 47 minutes. And so they knew that time, they had lost time. Yes. The plane was only able to fly at 180 miles per hour. So even at top speed, it would not have made the 250-mile distance that fast. That would have been a really good math word problem. Yeah, that's right. But sure enough, when they dropped down below the clouds, there were the beautiful beaches of Miami, Florida stretched out beneath them. So what the hell happened up there? Bruce checked his fuel and realized that the plane did not use the requisite fuel needed to go the distance of the trip. So they determined that his plane somehow skipped over 100 miles and discarded 30 minutes of his travel time. That is awesome. Maybe I will go through the Bermuda yes. Triangle because <laughs> if it can shorten... If you can make it to the light, good luck. Yeah. So many theories abound about what happened to him up there, and he started to study them himself, and he ultimately decided he was in some kind of a space-time warp. Mm -hmm. Perhaps the cloud he flew into was actually dark energy that curved time and space, and his plane went through a wormhole of sorts, which allowed him to arrive in Miami faster and without using up the fuel he would normally use. Bruce ended up writing a book about the experience entitled The Fog, as well as a few other books on the Bermuda Triangle. But it's interesting that all of the people that have had experiences in the Bermuda Triangle and have survived all say that their dials went to shit. I'm wondering if that's what actually happened with the disappearance of Amelia Earhart. Maybe. Because, you know, they've never found her wreckage. Did she disappear and over she the Bermuda Triangle? completely disappeared. Um, I'm trying to remember. It was over the Atlantic, I thought. But I don't hmm. know if she was in the Bermuda Triangle area. But it's kind of the same thing. Like when these planes go missing without a trace. I right. can see in the past how if they didn't have, you know, the navigation to find them. But nowadays they do. Right. So are we still finding mysterious planes disappearing and ships disappearing? Well, like I today? said, they lose ships and planes to the Bermuda Triangle every year. Every year. And I don't know if they're how successful they are in finding them. I don't know. But, so, but their equipment mainly is what's yeah, malfunctioning. Yeah, and fishermen and airplane pilots have both said they've had problems in the triangle with that. So there's something going on. So the last disappearance that has happened, which happened the most currently that I have found, the most famous current one that I've found, was that of the disappearance of Austin 
Stephanos and Perry Cohen, they were the two 14-year-old boys that disappeared on a fishing trip in July of 2015. They're on their little raft, I you remember know. That. Do you remember that? It was yep. all over the news. They yep. were from Jupiter, Florida. The U.S. Coast Guard searched for the two boys over 15,000 square nautical miles, but they were never found. A year mm. later, their boat washed up off the coast of Bermuda. Right. So, yeah, very sad. The parents let them go because they were so they were such good sailors and mm-hmm. they were they grew up on the water out there. So they were like, yeah, it's, you know, totally safe. They know what they're doing. But yeah, that sometimes even the most experienced um, sailors don't survive. So anyway, that's the Bermuda Triangle as I see it. Yeah, I I definitely think, you know, these anomalies need to be more researched and yeah just beware take a different flight path people right like don't risk it it's not worth it well you know i think we have another possible uh, bermuda triangle situation up in the remote area of alaska nice okay this mis- it's got polar bears it can't find their yeah. way back Is oh now you're talking about the lost series <laughs> <laughs> you're right so unlike being in the ocean though this triangle area covers an area of land known as the alaskan triangle and it's the state where more people vanish than anywhere else in the world. Over 16,000 people have gone missing in this triangle area wow. since 1988. And that is quite an alarming number That's of people. That's a huge amount of people. Considering considering that they only have about 670,000 people in the entire state. That's like a, a high percentage of their population has disappeared <laughs> into this triangle. Right. Holy shit. It's pretty crazy. And in this area, so if you can picture it, it ranges from the northern city of Barrow down south to Juneau and then over east to the city of Anchorage. Wow. So it does form a very large triangle shape. And, you know, there's so many stories of possible reasons why all of this is happening in Alaska from Bigfoot to this strange otter man creature. <laughs> this otter, otter man. man creature. Yeah, he's like a half man, half otter. And according to old legends, um, he seduces people and leads them to their death out in the water. Oh, and then he also sucks out their soul in the process. But I'm not going to get too far into that whole thing. But also the fact that Alaska just has incredibly harsh weather yeah. and terrain, including dangerous wildlife. Yeah. Duh bears. Yeah, it's filled with stuff. Yeah. Duh bears. Um, Alaska can, is like the United States is Australia. Right. So <laughs> it can it can account for these stories of disappearances. Plus, Holly, if you were a person who wanted to disappear, where would you go? Alaska. Alaska. Of course you would. Yeah. Yeah. So Live off I, the grid. I think it would be on the top 10 of most introverted people's bucket list. Now, I'm going to just focus today on a few of the stories, but I recommend watching the Travel Channel who dedicated an entire season of 10 episodes discussing in depth all of this strange phenomena in Alaska. So, I mean, there is a lot of 
stories, obviously, to cover all yeah. these episodes. Yeah. And like many of the strange ocean triangles of the world, Alaska has its fair share of reports describing failures of electrical equipment when flying or operating any kind of machinery over and in this particular area. Mm-hmm. And there are also theories that this triangle is located on powerful ley lines or a vile vortex similar to Stonehenge or the Bermuda Triangle. What's a vile vortex, you ask? What is a vile vortex? Well, thank you, Holly. They are specific areas on the Earth's surface which have naturally occurring anomalies due to the planet's natural electromagnetic fields being stronger in these parts than anywhere else in the world. And some say if the energy circles counterclockwise, it is vile. Uh, And if it counters clockwise, uh then it's a positive uplifting vortex. There's the motion, the counterclockwise, which was in my earlier story. Mm -hmm. That must play a part in these triangles. It must. And carousels are creepy carousels. Oh, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Uh, we're promoting past episodes on yeah. Fireside Phantoms. Check out but the creepy carousels episode. We talk about this all the time. And there are some interesting things that seem to support the idea that the Alaska Triangle could be one of these vortexes. The Triangle area is said to have a strong influence on hikers' compasses to be off by at least 30 degrees in some Ooh, cases. Wow. And dowsing rods go crazy when paranormal investigators comb the area for anything suspicious. Huh. There are many mechanical failures of cars, planes, and I hear Wi-Fi is a complete bitch up there to get active signals. That does not surprise me. So working from home would just be impossible, it sounds like. And visitors who are not used to the area say they experience weird sounds described as angry bees. (laughs) Murder hornets? (laughs) 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 It's bees. And feeling disoriented and dizzy, even reporting hallucinations. So scientists have also gathered evidence of abnormal spikes and higher levels of electromagnetic activity in the area. Rumor has it there's an underground pyramid twice the size of the big pyramid in Giza, located 50 miles southwest from Mount McKinley. Oh, cool. Yeah. It was said a television newcast of Anchorage, Alaska's Channel 13 said on the program that three scientists accidentally found this mysterious structure located underground by using... Dowsing rods. Yeah, I was gonna. I was waiting for you to say that. No seismic recorders. However, a retired military person, Douglas Mugler, stationed at the time at Fort Richard, saw it, and along with his buddies, also reported on it. But of course, when he tried to produce a copy, the station said they never ran the story. Mugler then called relatives, who also watched the story and tried to track down copies of it. And also on other stations, but apparently none had the discovery. It only appeared to have run on the Anchorage Channel 13. So there's no way to verify his claim. Oh, wow. Yeah. Huh. So Mount Hayes also has seen a lot of mysterious sightings of unexplained flying objects. And this is also a mountain that is in the triangle. Okay. It's said to be home to aliens living inside the mountain and also housing their flying saucers. So that would make sense. Yeah. So it houses both of them. I think so. Remote viewer Pat Price, who was a well-known remote viewer for his work in the 70s, described these aliens as looking very much like us, except with different eyes and internal organs. He said the aliens often mess with U.S. and Soviet satellites and aircraft 
causing malfunction near and over the area Mm -hmm. in an effort to keep them away. Yeah. So while testimony from remote viewers are often disregarded, there have been so many stories in UFO activity in the Alaska Triangle that the FBI did have classified files of these sightings and even investigated some of these reports from 1947 to 1950. One of the biggest search and rescue missions ever conducted by the Army was back in the 1950s when one of their military aircraft, a Douglas C-54, carrying a crew of eight men and 36 passengers, lost radio contact and went missing in the Alaska Triangle. Wow. There were two separate reports of UFO activity in the area one week prior to the incident and then a couple of days after the plane went missing. The plane was never heard from again, and there has never been a single piece of wreckage or any sign of the plane to this day. Wow. You know, and that's That's, not an ocean. That's land. Yeah, it's land. Our listeners probably have heard of that famous aircraft disappearance back in 1972 when two well-known politicians, along with their aides, were flying from Anchorage, Alaska to Juneau on a private Cessna 310 aircraft. The plane was carrying Hale Boggs and Nick Bejic, and it just vanished, sparking a search lasting for 39 days, covering 32,000 miles, including the Coast Guard, who was called in. And again, no evidence ever of the plane was found, wow. and the men were officially listed as deceased. Wow. Huh. One bizarre tale of a disappearance is that of a 35-year-old Rick Hill. On February 24, 2004, he had been home from an oil rig job for just a few days when he left Soldatna in his red Dodge truck to pick up a paycheck in Anchorage, which is about, I guess, 150 miles away. Mm -hmm. The company confirmed that Rick had gotten his check that day, but his truck was found two days later, plowed into a snowbank into the town of Sterling, just 15 miles from his home. The keys were in the ignition. And his driver's license was on the front seat. In Mm. the center console was also $292. Wow. Rick's footsteps were tracked, and it appeared as if his right foot was dragging, like he'd injured his leg. Oh, weird. Um, Maybe in the crash. mm Mm-hmm. So you would think he went to a bar and spent some of his money on too much alcohol and then he crashed? Yeah, maybe. Um, So they followed him into the woods, and after about a quarter mile, his footprints led up to a house where he walked onto the back porch. Maybe he was seeking help there. Mm -hmm. But then it appeared they tracked his steps to an abandoned airstrip nearby, and then it just ended. Search dogs could not pick up his scent. There was no evidence of any footprints around it going away or from. And it just seemed as if Rick had been snatched up straight into the sky. Yeah, that's creepy. Flash forward months later and his skeleton is found outside the camper of another man who had also gone missing, whose name also happens to be Rick. The skeleton also had a creepy feature. It was intact except for its head. Okay, that's crazy. Is it a coincidence that the guy whose trailer he was found outside is also missing? But for the family not knowing exactly how someone died, or for them even finding out another family mistakenly cremated their son, Ugh. thinking it was their missing son, Yeah, this is just awful. Yeah. Because people don't 
I mean, there's just so many disappearances. Yeah, yeah. That even the search teams that are searching, they, mm-hmm. they're getting them all mixed up. And yeah, that's, that's well, 16,000 people is a lot of people. It's a lot it's a of whole town. people. It, it's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy amount. I mean, the only thing that would make more sense is that people are going up there to disappear and, and it's not like paranormal, but... You have enough people who've been reported missing that you would, you know, something's going because on. Because why else would the head be separated from... I don't know. From... So they the never skeleton. found the head, right? No. You know, just the body. You know, the two families thought... They didn't know who it was. No. Yeah. Yikes. So that was a terrible story. That and is... I, I think we can all agree that the number of missing people in Alaska is just super alarming. And... Uh, like I said, with all the modern technology now and all the cell phone, GPS tracking, I mean, Google Earth can even locate, like, my missing glove if I drop it on the <laughs> ground. Right. So I don't think we should be having all these cases. It just doesn't make sense to right. me. Yeah. Let's not forget, Alaska has daylight there until midnight most of the year. But winter, they like they only have like an hour or two of daylight, right? Yeah, but most of the year it stays light until midnight. So, you know, you have you have a lot of daylight to I've been search there, people. I've been there in the summertime, and yeah, it would get dark around eleven o'clock at night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't know you were in Alaska. I've been to Alaska a couple times. Did you go fishing? Um, no. Uh, the first time I was there, it was to visit a friend that lived in Juneau, and then the second time I was there was for a wedding in Homer. Did you notice anything paranormal? No, but I wasn't really looking for it. <laughs> so, so nothing really jumped out at you. I did get to you. see the Northern Lights, and that was amazing. Yeah, that is beautiful. It was absolutely beautiful. Yeah. You know, there are ongoing reports of several airplanes that still vanish every year in that area. And I've heard that many of these hotspots uh, for apparent UFO activity or these vile vortexes have a certain kind of thorny bush that grows in the area. And I forget exactly where I heard that. I think it was just one of the guys on the Travel Channel that was doing like this question answer session on YouTube, but it was quite a while ago, so who knows. But that is such a great defense mechanism, isn't it? You come near me, you're gonna get your ass full of needles. Boom! (laughs) You know, there's no need for alien interaction. No. Just needles, so, just needle interaction. I think what we should do, Holly, is have people go out and search where large amounts of thorny sticker bushes grow. Okay. And maybe they will all lead to these alien bases on Earth. Probably. Yeah. I think that's a good plan. I like it. Let's do it. But, you know, it sounds more like something humans would do. So I'm going with the theory that we've built command centers like NORAD into these big mountains in Alaska where it's remote. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would make sense. And they're just people aren't going to go up there and fuck with No, them. and yeah. they're just having a lot of fun testing out their top secret aircraft yeah. and horticulture on yeah. innocent civilians. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of those conspiracy theory documentaries talk about the UFOs being up in like Antarctica and some places that are super remote. Mm-hmm. That would make sense. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Too bad they can't figure out the whole burning bush thing. That would really scare away the people. But it would also probably start a forest fire in Alaska. So, (laughs) you know, aliens know best. (laughs) Thanks, guys. That's it. (laughs) Um, Said that this pyramid was very old. 
<laughs> was it? How old was it, Carol? <laughs> it, it was very old. Every bush has, has its, its thorns. thorns. Yeah, it does. How have you been, Holly? I've been okay. How have you been? I've been real good. How you doing? I've been real good. Real good. As the flames die down, do remain undaunted. Though all hitchhikers are ghosts, and all dolls are definitely haunted. Hey guys, be sure to follow us on Instagram. Our handle is at Fireside Phantoms. If you have a spooky story you would like to share with us, send it to firesidephantoms at gmail.com and you may hear it on a future episode.